politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our life, liberty, and property anew. This is a brand new week here, starting a little bit late because of the holiday. Tuesday, the last day of May as we barrel towards halfway through 2022. And we have very little time before the entire conservative newsosphere reaches this feverish pitch focused on elections. No, it's the issues. It's the issues that matter. Uh, you know, we'll get to a little bit later if we have time. You see the outrage about the WHO meeting. It worked. Uh, frankly, the African countries are actually what downed the proposals, those Biden amendments. Sunlight matters. Focus matters. we got to focus on the right issues. And I'm telling you, if you're watching Fox, if you're watching Newsmax, if you're listening to the top so-called conservative shows, you'll hear you'll hear Uvalde stuff. And, and we are going to talk about the red flag laws like we did on Friday. Um, it is a big threat. Uh, you'll hear Ukraine on the wrong side of it, by the way. But you won't hear anything about the biomedical fascism. Uh, we've been out, you know, I only missed one show really last week, but... Obviously, I was a little bit slower because we were out on our defensive handgun training course. So I do want to catch up today on some of the COVID news, the shots, the fascism, what's coming. And to me, it is still astounding that we are staring down the barrel of them approving the shots within a few days, two weeks, I guess, for babies and toddlers and we don't have a movement in place to stand up to it. After everything we know about the negative efficacy and the terrible short-term and long-term dangers up until and including death for a vaccine that is expired, for variants that don't exist, negative efficacy, they themselves admitted at the WHO, in, in a, what do you call it, Davos, that we need something that works for a year because they admit this doesn't work. And yet, they're going to have a free reign to put this in all 50 states. Maybe Florida will stand up. Aside from that, we have no blueprint to fight this. No blueprint. So I'm going to update you on some of the news, what we need to do about it. Um, COVID, the masks, Paxlovid. It's really the triple crown now. If you notice, all three things that they pushed sequentially, I guess it's really four if you count lockdowns, were counterproductive and now made it worse. Not just the side effects of each one of those things, but they seem to perpetuate the need for itself. The more you mask, the more you need to mask. The more you have Paxlovid, the more, as we warned about from day one with that, by the way, the more it perpetuates the virus. It actually makes it come back. And certainly with the shots, we've seen that for quite some time. Now, our sponsor today, one thing you can do to get away from the globalists is to support those that offer major goods and services that we rely upon that actually share our values. When it comes to mobile service, what do you have? Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're all spying on you. They'll all be part of the DHS department on uh, creating disinformation to spy on you. 
Support Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you could switch without any pain, um, knowing that they actually support your values, support organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life. Uh, They put our veterans and and first responders first. They regard them as heroes, so go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their U.S. English-speaking a customer service line at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR as in conservative review. Veterans and first responders save even more. So make that switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash CR. PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. It's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share your values. So I want to start off again you know, we'll we'll get to the vaccine in a minute, but we haven't talked about masks in a while. And you might think, well, it's over with. First of all, it's not over with. Many places are going back to it. I, I watch even in my neighborhood. I don't think it's a mandate in my county, but there's a heck of a lot of kids going with it because it's still encouraging it, still promoting it at every level. And then, yes, they are mandating it. We, we talked about last week in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the governor, of course, is doing nothing about that. How many governors have fully banned it? Not many. How many legislatures have fully banned it? Well, New Hampshire they did, but the dirtbag rhino governor, who's become nothing but a political suicide bomber, he vetoed that along with many other bills. So we have not fully inoculated ourselves from this happening again. And again, most healthcare settings... And that's where you're going to find the people that have PTSD. They have um, cognitive issues. I mean, I have a mother-in-law with cognitive issues. And it's devastating for them to have to... They're the people who have the most appointments. It's not people like me. So they have to go very often, and they still have these mandates in place. Okay? So this is not over with, and they will continue to bring this back. You might think, oh, it's gotten repudiated. No, it hasn't. But anyway, there's. Um, I want to just share with you some of the latest literature on that just to demonstrate how the Triple Crown, everything they're doing seems to make it worse, as we predicted. There's a preprint published in The Lancet, which is surprising. Uh, Tracy Beth Hogue, she's, she, she's been on DeSantis's panel before she's uc davis and then uh, another researcher from university of toronto they replicated cdc's study cdc did a study of different counties and they created the game they play is they create an arbitrary number of counties for an arbitrary time and they'll say oh look you see um they they have a reduction in, in rates and what they typically do is they'll pick an arbitrary time that's designed to find where the ones without the mandates are in their seasonal curve and the ones without it aren't, and they play a game like that. So to illustrate that, they actually demonstrated this, that they replicated their data, and then they extended their study using a larger sample of districts and a longer time interval. So you know you always want more when you come to sample size. They had almost six times as much data as the original study. And you know what they came out with? No significant relationship between mass mandates and case rates. Um, this is the largest observational study ever done. Um, Eighteen hundred counties were included. That's that's pretty much yeah. I mean, more than half 
of the American counties from July through October 2021. And in fact, if you look for every week, actually the mask mandate counties actually at higher rates. Now they don't, they say it didn't reach uh, uh, statistical significance, but if anything it was the reverse. And there you have that. Similarly, there was another study published in Curious. This is from a Brazilian researcher. 35 European countries during the 2020-2021 winter peak. Again, while no cause-effect conclusions could be inferred from this observational analysis, the lack of negative correlations between mask usage and COVID-19 cases and deaths suggests that the widespread use of masks at a time um, when, when an effective intervention was most needed, meaning during that autumn-winter peak, was not able to reduce COVID-19 transmission. Moreover, the moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths in Western Europe also suggests that the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. Notice how, just like with the clot shots, we're starting to see a positive correlation with usage of that intervention and bad outcomes. And what could possibly be causing that? Well, several months ago, there was another observational study published. And, and by the way, all the randomized controlled trials showed it didn't work because the Bangladeshi RCT that they said did, in the end, when we got all the data, it showed indeed it didn't. But uh, there was an observational study published in Medicine. It's a journal called Medicine by a German doctor, Zacharias uh, Fogin, that's how you pronounce it, compared Kansas's counties. If you remember a while back, the Kansas dirtbag uh, health director tried to tout, oh, in certain counties it worked better, but they did it for a short duration. He actually looked at a longer duration, and he found that there were 81 counties in Kansas without mask mandates, 24 counties with them. He found a statistically significant higher fatality rate in the mass counties. Uh, this is a quote from their results from the study strongly suggests that mass mandates actually caused about 1.5 times the number of deaths or 50% higher deaths compared to no mass mandates. And he basically noted as all of our industrial hygienists that we had on the show, gosh, almost two years ago now, uh, I can't believe it's been that long. Stephen Petty, uh, Kristen Megan and Tammy Clark, um, I'm leaving out one. We had Megan Mansell. We had four of them. And they noted this point. Megan especially noted that it, it actually makes the virons smaller, and that's worse because it's the little guys. Remember Stephen Petty always said it's the little guys that, that are the problem. A, because the big guys, you know, it's gravity. They fall to the ground. They don't get in your mouth. Um, they're not a problem. But also, the smaller they are, the deeper they penetrate the alveoli. So the more you have that more, um, you know, pneumonia-like dynamic rather than a bronchitis type of virus, which is usually not deadly. And he noted a rationale for the increased risk ratio by mandating mass is probably that virons that enter 
where those coughed out in droplets are retained in the face mask tissue, and after quick evaporation of the droplets, hyper-condensed uh, hyper droplets or pure virons are re-inhaled from a very short distance during ins uh, inspiration. So there you have it, folks. Negative efficacy. And then, of course, there's also the terrible side effects. As we noted, a pre-printed Italian study, we talked about this earlier in May, found that even short-term surgical mass usage just for a few minutes was associated with a strong increase in held uh, carbon dioxide levels, uh, in, in, uh, especially in kids. And he found greater than 5,000 ppm, which is kind of the borderline for what's an acceptable level, in 90% of 10 to 18-year-olds in their study sample. Shortly after wearing surgical masks, then held air CO2 approached the highest acceptable exposure threshold recommended for workers, while concerningly high concentrations were recorded in virtually all individuals when wearing FFP2 masks. Okay, those aren't as common. The CO2 concentration was significantly higher among minors and the subjects with high respiratory rate. Yet here we are, two years into something that likely has negative efficacy, creates terrible language and developmental impediments in young kids, and blocks CO2 levels. I mean, we're just starting to find out the issues with the vaccines. God knows what this thing has done. We can only imagine. And yet here we are, trauma survivors, rape victims, who suffer panic attacks when having their faces covered, they are still forced to wear masks in most settings when they go to doctors. This is not over with. Okay? If the government starts pushing it, you're going to have most parts of the country are going to readopt this, and some already are. So again, we need a constitutional amendment. We need county and state ordinances, statutes, barring it, and we need criminal penalties for anyone who pushes it, particularly on children. So notice everything we push has negative efficacy. Negative efficacy. Okay, now I want to get to the next thing, which is Paxlovid, the miracle drug of Pfizer. If you notice, you're, you're starting to hear Pfizer and, and Borla, the CEO, talk a lot more about Paxlovid, even the Biden administration. Uh, because I think they they realize that that the cat is out of the bag, that people realize the shots don't work. But most people don't, if to, to the extent they know about Paxlovid, they think, oh, it's a great wonder drug. Oh, this is great. We're actually treating it. Now we have treatments. Okay, this is awesome. Uh, I don't have to get a novel vaccine. I'll just get a novel therapy. Well, they don't know it's novel. Five hundred thirty bucks per person. Okay, remember at the end of the day. As much as Pfizer shook down the industry on vaccines and the countries on vaccines, at the end of the day, it's at something like 20, 30 bucks a pop. Now, there's a lot more pops than the therapeutics, but increasingly, there's going to be fewer people getting them, okay, unless they succeed in shoving this on, on the, the entire untapped demographic of kids, young kids. But Paxlovid at 530 a pop is where it's at. Now, if you remember, last week there was a headline in Business Insider, 
Pfizer CEO predicts, this is at Davos, constant waves of COVID-19 because of complacency. Well, why is he predicting constant waves if everyone now has Paxlovid and the vaccine? Well, the answer is because everyone has Paxlovid and the vaccine, he's not stupid. He knows that it perpetuates it. Okay, I mean, the cat is now out of the bag that these shots cause a perpetuation. Not not the shots, I mean the shots too, but Paxlovid causes a perpetuation of the virus. This is from Reuters. Use of Pfizer's COVID-19 antiviral Paxlovid spiked this week, but some doctors are reconsidering the pills for lower risk patients after U.S. Public Health Agency, meaning it's the CDC, warned that symptoms can reoccur after people complete a course of the drug and that they should then isolate a second time. So basically, it extends the amount of time you get the virus. Let's face it. The drug, the the, the, the variant for which we needed an antiviral, namely Delta, we didn't have it, and it didn't work. And then for the one that more or less, I mean, it might be annoying, but it's not dangerous. And the worst part of these variants is just that it might linger and just disrupt you. So you're not worried about dying from it. But guess what? This thing exacerbates the worst part of it, the duration of it. It makes it longer. More quarantine time is not a crowd pleaser, Dr. Sandra uh, Kimmerly an infectious disease specialist at uh, Ochsner Health in uh, New Orleans told Reuters. If those people really are in at risk, I would recommend they are n- not, not to take it. Well, well, hell's bells. I thought it was only approved for high risk. Interesting. It just get, you know, they just use it for anything. That's the thing. The things they want, they use it for whatever they want. And then it's something that is fully FDA approved. You can't use it. But uh, that's the thing. Paxlovid now, this is out in the open that they're not using it. I'm shying away from giving it to people who are very low risk or not terribly ill, said Dr. Bruce Farber, Chief of Public Health and Epidemiology for Northwell Health. Very interesting. And as we note, this was noted in their clinical trials. They tried to cover it up. What is going on there that Paxlovid perpetuates this? Why is nobody asking the question that this is from The Hill? The Hill ran a story last weekend, headline, As summer begins, U.S. COVID-19 cases six times higher than last year. Again, why are we having an out-of-season, even in the northern latitudes, in fact, more so in the northern latitudes, in a summer? After everyone, most people got the virus, and most, and certainly anyone vulnerable, has three, four, or five shots, and then you have Paxlovid. Well, I think we're answering our own question. That's exactly why it's happening. Okay? Experts are baffled because Johns Hopkins reported a seven-day average of 120,000 cases as of Saturday compared to just 17,800 or so cases May 28th of last year. Hey, no kidding. No kidding. They are perpetuating it again and again and again. 
And that's why the Pfizer CEO can predict constant waves. And, And this is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. The least deadly variants. You're having all the countries that didn't have much COVID until now. They're having almost all of it precisely after everyone is boosted. You know, I saw this. If you go to South Korea's data, they have all their statistics, birth, death, marriage, divorces. You look at their death rates. And basically, they had no excess deaths until October 2021. Right? If you remember, they were one of the countries that always seemed to do well with the virus. If you look at September 2021... They were averaging 6.1 deaths per thousand. In March 2022, just a couple months ago, it was up to 10.2. What is that, like 80% increase? Precisely after you have Paxlovid, everyone's boosted. Somebody already had the virus. And it's a more, it's definitely a milder variant that it, it could get annoying. It could have long COVID. It could. You know, it, it is a bioweapon, could back into your sinuses, could maybe even give you bronchitis, but really not that much into the pneumonia type of ailments and not that thrombotic. Something is very off here. And yet here we are. June 14th, they're going to meet to likely approve Moderna's shot from kids 6 to 17. And on June 15th, they're going to have a joint one for both Moderna and Pfizer's baby slash toddler shot, whatever, kids under five, six. I think it's five for um, Moderna and four through four for Pfizer because I guess five is already approved. And there's no backstop to that. Nothing that comes out will prevent them from doing this. Something that is this Broadly destructive. You know, let's talk about some of the latest news on that. And again, I am behind. There's so much more on the danger. It's it's, it's shocking the amount of things this thing causes that I've been, you know, away from this for about a week. But just from what I can see, notice that they're talking about monkeypox more now. But it's interesting what they're not talking about is what we thought they would as the next pandemic, this pediatric hepatitis, right? That southern, sudden liver inflammation. According to WHO, there's 650 cases they found, 180 in the U.S. alone over the last number of months. 15 needed organ transplants. And what's up with that? Well, I'll tell you, there are currently 60,442 reports of liver-related adverse events in the context of COVID-19 vaccines. And remember, something like that is going to be woefully underreported to trace back liver inflammation to the shots. I mean, there's tons of tons of... uh, Um, studies on that. I mean, we have the German study. Where is this here? On T-cells. In this report, we show that highly activated T-cells accumulate and are evenly distributed in the different areas of the liver in a patient with liver inflammation following SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. 
Moreover, within the population of these liver infiltrating T cells, we observed an enrichment of T cells that are reactive to SARS-CoV-2, suggesting that these vaccine-induced cells can contribute to liver inflammation in this context. And as we had Dr. Finn on the show say, this is likely coming more from the adenovirus vector vaccines, the J&J and AstraZeneca, more so than, than, than the mRNA, but they do appear to cause liver inflammation no matter what because it's just that the you know LMPs are very inflammatory. And yet, name me the Republican that is laying down on the tracks to say, oh my gosh, we can't do this in kids. This is not a year and a half ago when everyone was terrified to suggest there's any problems with it. Everyone knows it doesn't work. Everyone knows it's outdated. And we have so many points, so many things it could take out every single inch of the human body every organ and they're going to put it on the final group of babies and toddlers i cannot think of anything more imminent to fight despite very imminent threats to our life liberty property society security everything culture tons of stuff going on but this is the issue for which there is the least coverage complete blackout on Fox and Newsmax. In fact, Newsmax is, uh, they just tweeted out, what's his name? The CEO, Ruddy, Chris Ruddy of Newsmax. He met with Zelensky in Kiev. We oppose Putin's aggression. We support Ukraine, said Ruddy. So there's your conservative opposition to the so-called conservative opposition, right? That was supposed to be the conservative version of Fox News. And here's where it lands. Every single freaking time. Never forget this was all planned. I, I mean, just the fact that the Walgreens data is not bigger news, okay? They, they have like 80,000, 90,000 tests per week. And they have the data, the positivity rate by vaccination status okay among 5 to 11 year olds 21% positivity among those not vaccinated 35% positivity among those vaccinated with two doses more than five months away okay let's go to older groups where we already have data on boosters because you know you don't realize boosters in that age okay so 12 to 17 year olds 24.5% positivity rate among those not vaccinated 33.1% among those who had two doses more than five months ago and 42.5% among those who had three doses more than five months ago. Masks, Paxlovid, shots. The more you do, the more you, you know what, kind of like the bean song. Truly disgusting. You know, when you think about just the minor, so-called minor injuries, okay? Again, when you, when you talk about putting this into kids, even the more pathogenic variants, they, they just cause you know, more, more or less a cold, a, a flu, 
It wasn't a severe pneumonia, thrombosis, you know, this light-threatening multi-organ bioweapon. For them, their immune system seemed to deal with it. Up front, you are giving them with this shot without delving into all the short-term, long-term risks. You're giving them the flu-like symptoms. It makes no sense. There's an unbelievable German study that demonstrates just how ubiquitous and disruptive this is. When you look at all these, you know, flights canceled and everyone's, all these professions, people are out. Why are they out? Here's why they're out. It's a German study. All vaccinated employees were invited to participate in a survey. They had received a questionnaire between March 31st and June 14th of 2021. So this is when they really had the main vaccine rollout in 2021 in Germany, not the boosters, which appear to be pound per pound worse, whether it's that they're inherently worse because the buffer or because it's dose dependent. So it's a cumulative effect of how much spike and other crap is in the body or a mixture of both. I don't know. But anyway, They surveyed a total of 2,372 employees completed the survey. And they found after both the first dose and second dose, women had a higher risk than men for side effects. Again, tracking with multiple data points. Younger had a higher rate than older. Tracking again with um, uh, a lot of data points we've seen. Dr. Ryan Cole's theory is that the lipid nanoparticles are more aggressive because the body is more aggressive in younger people and getting it around the body. Um, As far as females, I forgot what he he said with that, but we definitely are seeing certainly more numerous amounts. I mean, the the heart issues are more with men, but in terms of just the broad spectrum and scope of injury, it's more women. But here's the kicker. They found 7.9% of people after the first dose and 35% after the second dose were temporarily unable to work, which added up to 1,700 days of sick leave in this cohort just among the study group. 35% were sick enough that they were unable to work temporarily after the second dose. That's totally normal, right? This is nuts. I mean, that in itself should be, should be just a harbinger of everything. And to this day, there is no effort on the part of the Republican Party to adopt a joint statement or policy at the senatorial level, the gubernatorial level, most of the candidates running for office, that this thing must be pulled from the market. We must investigate what they knew and when they knew it and how this got approved and and what else is coming down the pipeline and how we could have a safety net for the public on it. This is bioterrorism straight up, along with negative efficacy. And yet there is no effort to get to the bottom of this. This is truly, truly unbelievable. I can't believe this. And then I I started to wonder, you know, we're going to have another uh, military pilot on tomorrow. Very exciting show. Um, All these pilots that are out sick, these sudden issues they have, pilots being grounded, 
and we know we're seeing it with them. So I, I, I was wondering recently, why aren't we seeing it with cars? You know, because I did notice, I, we talked about this a while back, there was a whole rash in Fort Bragg, but other military bases as well in Alaska, where there were uh, young soldiers found dead in their cars. They didn't commit suicide. It wasn't a drug overdose. They were 20, 30, 35 years old, and they were just found dead. There's no cause of death. And I was thinking to myself, we know this is happening with the pilots, and people generally spend more time in their cars, obviously. Why isn't this happening? And then I said to myself, well, who's to say it isn't happening? You could have the most insane thing having occurring right in front of our eyes, and we wouldn't know about it. And no one would talk about it. That's the lesson. I mean, there is no greater story than the negative efficacy and danger of these shots. And they are still being foisted upon us, mandated in the military, mandated in many other settings, but really pressured upon everyone, including kids. And now to babies. And it's like, it's not even a story. It doesn't exist. So then I saw... This guy, Mark Crispin Miller, is a great uh, Substack. Subscribe to it. There was a UK Guardian article that came out two weeks ago. Deadly steps backwards. U.S. traffic deaths soared to highest level in 16 years. Nearly 43,000 people were killed last year as Americans returned to the roads. Now, okay, I understand that in, in 2020... There were record low deaths because people weren't on the roads as much. 2021, you would say, okay, it returns to the baseline. Why would it be the highest in 16 years, especially when the trend, kind of like crime, it seemed to go down, 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 down every year. So it's not just, okay, you know, something that goes up and down, okay, it's the highest in 16 years. No, it was an inveterate downward trajectory every year to reverse it back to 16 years ago. That's a big deal. And they don't have much to say. The NHTSA says they blame reckless driving behavior for increases during the pandemic, citing behavioral research showing that speeding and traveling without a seatbelt have been higher. But really? I mean, why? People would suddenly, I mean, the, the most basic driving habits would, would suddenly get exponentially worse. I mean, okay, you could say the masks make people insane, and there are people still wearing them when they drive. Um, you could say people became retarded from the, the whole pandemic craziness, but they don't offer a reason for that. And then he goes on, he cites numerous examples, very well done throughout, not just the country, but the world of people suddenly crashing and dying. Kind of what we're seeing in other contexts. So I don't know. We don't have the proof. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is, we, we do know that there was a sudden, sudden rash of car deaths. If you guys have the time to do some sleuthing for me, how much of this is going on, you know, typically it's reckless driving, but there's evidence that it's not. It's people like suddenly having a heart attack out of nowhere. There's always a baseline of that that, that, that happens. I, I've known people to have died while driving, have a heart attack. I've heard of it. But clearly, this is on the rise. I mean, if we have all the data, all the heart 
ailment data that we see from the emergency calls in Israel, in the UK, in Germany, in Australia. And we have all that data, all the excess death data. It's got to be occurring in cars. There's no question about it. Now, one thing that would ultimately get to the bottom of this you would think throughout all of this there would be some curiosity to do autopsies. And yet, to this day, there is no effort to conduct autopsies. And that should tell you everything you know, everything you want to know. Um, Will Jones at Daily Skeptic, he had an interesting point. There was one pathologist that wanted to get to the bottom of this. If you remember, we talked about this last year. The chief pathologist at University of Heidelberg, Dr. Peter Schermacher, he said that just in his small sample size of 40 autopsies of people who died within two weeks of vaccination, he, in his view, 30 to 40% of them died from the vaccine. Okay, if you remember very early on in the spring of 2021, the first 100 all-cause deaths in nursing homes after the vaccine was given were investigated, and almost half of them were believed to have been possibly from the vaccine, and 10 out of the first 100 were believed to have been likely from that. That's an, an insane number. And he warned about this, and he said that we need to start doing autopsies, and he pushed for it. And even the Federation, Federal Association of German Pathologists pushed for more autopsies to be done. And yet, he says... Following the reports in the media of his comments, Dr. Schermacher fell oddly silent. Ten months later, no further autopsies by his group have been reported. No further calls for them have been heard. No reports of autopsies being conducted specifically on those who died shortly after the COVID vaccine have been conducted. What is going on with that? And I think we all know the answer. And again, it would be bad enough if we'd be done with this, but we're not. It's still being mandated on the military. It's still being pushed. Still pushing more boosters. Still pushing more Paxlovid. And there is no effort in the states. I'm, I, look, I'm trying. But constitutional amendments, statutory, county, state level, criminalize this behavior, ban it from being done, mass shots, all this stuff, setting up in the respective departments of health, safety nets on any new therapeutics, whether they're vaccines or drugs that come out, an effort to obviously green light approval of things like ivermectin. Very few states have done this. And all we have is a cover-up. And by the way, speaking of a cover-up, this is from the Epic Times. Over 10,000 COVID-19 claims removed from theirs. 500 death reports deleted, claims data analyst. This is from this guy named Albert ben Benavides. He's been tracking VARES from day one. And he mentioned this on Stu Peter's show, April 28th. 500 deaths reported, death reports have already been deleted so far. 10,000 claims have been deleted since the rollout. I've spotted, I spot checked 2,000 of those claims and I cannot find duplicate. You know, because they say that they'll erase duplicates. But he said, I cannot find the duplicates. So it's not because of that. 
and he noted that deletions are way more common for COVID vaccines than any other vaccine. So there we go. They're deleting it. And again, as we all know, this thing was pre-planned. This was pre-planned. You know, there's this crazy story out. Uh, this guy on Getter. He's not on Twitter. He's called Chief Nerd. I uh, you should give him a follow. He has the file and a, a picture. You could find it on his um, feed. A February 1997 edition of the magazine George. If you remember, that was RFK, not RFK, John JFK Jr.'s publication. Okay, remember that in the 90s before he died. February 1997, where Bill Gates admits that he's funding population control. Okay. This is where is this? I have to be I have to be clever about how I'm going to funnel those back in. I fund education projects, I fund population control. I'm very big on the United Way. Direct quote from him. It's in he has a picture of the magazine. And then also he talks about disease and predicts this is crazy. Predicts that in 2020 Worst case scenario, an overpopulated planet choked to extinction by a lung-attacking virus. Folks, this is absolutely nuts, okay? I'm sorry, but this is absolutely crazy. So, it's right there. You know... There was another nugget he predicts in 2020. Violent crime rates keep falling. New methods of crime fighting take hold and we move closer to a cashless society in which the ubiquity of electronic transactions will cripple the underground economy. What do they know that we don't know? What did they know and when did they know it? Okay. And by the way, speaking of What's coming next? Here's a clip people have been passing around. This is not recent. It's um, it was sometime in 2020 after the pandemic. It was called the Beijing Forum. I think it was it was obviously done virtually from the University of Peking, and this is Charles Schwab speaking about genetic engineering. Take a listen. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains, and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Um, I, I think that is imaginable. I think, um, I, I think, you know, you can imagine that. You can imagine, well, you're going to be sort of transplanted into, you know, the, the internet, so to speak, to live forever in a digital realm. In places like Silicon Valley, uh, equality is out, but immortality is in. Everybody's talking about immortality. 
Uh, Google has just established two or three years ago a sub-company called Calico, whose stated aim is to solve the problem of death. We've solved search, now we'll solve death. And they are not the only ones. And basically they are saying death is not some metaphysical phenomenon. We don't have to wait for the second coming of Christ in order to solve it. Uh, a couple of geeks in the laboratory can do it. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Decision-making will increasingly shift from humans to these algorithms. And just as in the early modern age, authority came down from the clouds, from above the clouds, to humanity. So in the next stage of history, authority will shift back from humans to the clouds, not to the gods, but to the Microsoft cloud, to the Google cloud. They'll just understand us so well that it will be crazy not to listen to their advice about what book to read, whom to marry, where to work, and what to vote in the elections. Hmm, interesting. New technologies. Imagine if we all, you know, ge genetic engineering. Folks, we better take them seriously. Again, this is the least discussed issue, especially now with Uvalde and guns in the news. And we do need to talk about that because Republicans are about to screw us on that. But this is where we're at. And I know we talked about the WHO a little bit. I started with that. But I just talked about that to warn people to wake them up. But the issue is not the WHO, it's our, our own government. Ultimately, if our government's opposed to it, it's not going to happen. And if they're supportive of it, even if you don't have a specific language passed at the WHO, it just demonstrates those amendments, those draft amendments demonstrate what the Biden admin is thinking and where they're headed and why we need to fight this back and why it's so important, by the way, that we, we don't just divest from the WHO, but we divest from the federal government, which is just as much of an enemy. They're a greater enemy than anything else around. Okay? One of the big action items is every governor needs to be pressured not to take a penny of more pandemic money. They cannot take that money. That is the most important action item today. Call your legislator. Call your governor. If you're, especially if you're in a red state. No more COVID funds. But anyway, what did happen? Ultimately, um, I'm going to read to you from this guy, Stuart Bramhall, his blog on WordPress. And this tracks with what I'm hearing. In a rare show of African power, power and solidarity, several African member states objected to proposed international health regulation amendments discussed at WHO 75 this week. A well-placed source shared the resolution on IHR amendments was not passed at the WHA, right? That's the World Health Assembly, as African countries were concerned that there was inadequate consultation among member states and the process was being rushed. Botswana read the statement on behalf of the 47 Afro members, and I was personally present. According to Reuters, if Africa continues to withhold support, it could block one of the only concrete reforms expected from the meeting. Frank hopes that members will unite on reforms to strengthen the UN Health Agency's rules as it seeks a central role for itself in global health policy. And he notes here 
They said, we find that they're going too quickly and these sorts of reforms can't be rushed through. Said a concerned African delegate in Geneva. But they also note that Brazil and Russia form part of BRICS initiative with Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, Iran, and Malaysia are reported to have also expressed reservations to propose IHR amendments, while Russia and Brazil seem set to make big moves on international health policies or possibly even exit the WHO. Meanwhile, India raised audit concerns on irregularities with WHO financials. So, folks, here we have it where it's perfectly inverse. All of the Western countries, all of the Western Europe, Canada, U.S., Australia, New Zealand, they joined these Biden amendments. And it's the African countries, India, and even Russia and Iran and Brazil, they're opposing it. See, this all ties back into Ukraine. Very important observation here. Why some of these so-called conservative talk show hosts, you know what I'm talking about, where they're stuck in this Reagan nostalgia. They don't realize the world has changed. They think, oh, Russia's the biggest threat. It's We're reliving the West and Europe and Pope John Paul and Reagan and Margaret Thatcher fighting to defend Eastern Europe from the Soviet Union. Folks, no. It's Ukraine and Zelensky is at the center of the Western oligarchs who are a bigger threat to sovereignty and democracy than most of the Eastern countries. I'm not saying I'm a fan of Russia. I'm certainly not a fan of Iran. But dude, <laughs> they're actually standing up for individual nation state sovereignty than these guys because the threat is no longer one sovereign nation fighting another sovereign nation. It's globalism. And it's the Western countries that are corrupted into that. We are the problem. Our government is a bigger problem. So it's not even so much the WHO. Usually it was those tin pot, we always complain about those tin pot third world countries that made the, the UN as corrupt as it is. Now, the reason why these international organizations are corrupted are mainly because of the Western countries. And that includes our own government. That's a very profound geopolitical observation that reverberates beyond COVID. And again, it does tie into Ukraine. But instead of focusing on this, what are Republicans focused on? Molly Hemingway has a great article here at The Federalist. Mitch McConnell went on a big media tour to praise Biden's foreign policy and take credit for a massive additional spending package for Ukraine and to virulently attack the 11 Republican senators and 57 Republican members of Congress who voted against it. McConnell casts Ukraine vote as victory over Republican Party's isolationist wing touted the Wall Street Journal, using a derogatory and inaccurate term to describe the growing coalition that opposes Biden's non-strategic foreign policy. So, um, they, they go on to note McConnell told Politico it's a small isolationist group, somewhat encouraged by the former president, but it's not widely held among Republicans in Congress. Well, and I don't think among the public in general. Well, he's not wrong about the Republicans in Congress, and that's not changing. So um, there you go. There you go. That is all they care about. The Republican Party is is completely, completely subversive. Okay? And even a lot of those 11 only did it after pressure. 
This is what they're concerned about. It all ties back into this. The same forces behind COVID fascism, biomedical tyranny, transhumanism are the ones behind Ukraine. And any sane person with a brain months into this should be asking, what exactly is and is not going on there? What exactly are we accomplishing with the 60 billion or so dollars in weaponry we gave them? It is shocking what we could have done with that. Helped all the vaccine injured with a fraction of that money. Militarized our border. Updated so many of our aging fleet of of fighter planes and helicopters. So much we could have done with that. But that's Mitchie McConnell for you. And what else are they thinking about? What else are they thinking about? This is from our friend uh, Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. The FBI. So the Republicans support everything that is undermining us. The day before FBI Director Christopher Wray explained to a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee why his department deserves a $527 million raise in 2023, his agents were credited with foiling an ISIS-linked plot to assassinate George W. Bush. An Iraqi national was arrested on May 25th and charged with attempting to smuggle four other Iraqis into the U.S. and then somehow murder the former president. The timing for Ray was suspiciously fortuitous. Appointed by Trump in 2018 to lead the scandal-ridden agency, another one of Trump's winners, um, Ray, where is this? Um, Ray continues to promote the unsubstantiated notion that domestic terrorists, Trump voters, pose a lethal threat to national security. For nearly a year and a half, armed FBI agents across the country have raided, interrogated, and arrested more than 800 Americans on mostly nonviolent offenses related to January 6th. Then right before Ray went hat in hand to Congress to ask for a budget boost, these headlines blared the news that his department thwarted this legitimate terrorist organization overseas. Interesting. If he gets his way, Ray will control a $10.7 billion budget next year, $1.4 billion increase over 2020, 37,000 employees. Okay? There you go. There you go. And, he, and, and she basically notes that during that hearing, only one senator confronted Ray about the FBI's lost credibility, Senator John Kennedy. Um, but basically, nobody called him out on January 6th on any of this stuff. In one gushing exchange during the hearing, Senator Lindsey Graham, um, he... He flirted with the idea of giving Ray more money. After listening to you and everything you say is a legitimate concern, you have a lot to do. Do you think the committee should look at increasing your budget? And of course, Ray replied, yes, we could put that money to good use. So Republicans look like they support more money for the FBI. And speaking of Lindsey Graham, he's now working on red flag laws. And this all, by the way, ties back together. Because the FBI is coming for more money. I say, oh, we foiled a terror attack. And then there's no doubt that they're going to juice up the Uvalde business to say we need this. Again, folks, don't doubt me. This is a big threat. It's not going to be directly gun control. 
And it's not even so much the red flag laws to take away guns that I'm even that worried about, although they might do that. It's red flag laws to basically lock us up without due process, say we're mentally ill, we're a threat to ourselves and to other people, and Republicans have made it a priority. They're going to walk right into it. Because keep in mind, that's not governed by this impervious blockade that the voters placed upon Republican elected officials voting for gun control. That's a different thing. It's like, well, you know, these are the bad guys. Daniel, don't you always like getting ahead of known career criminals? And as again, the difference is known career criminals, hey, you know, you had th- three armed robbery convictions. Well, that's a red flag right there, but you have convictions. Whereas here, they want to circumvent all due process without a hearing and just unilaterally a judge could say you're a threat. That's what they want to do. They want to circumvent existing mental health laws, which certainly can be used with a hearing to confine someone to a mental institution. Those are laws pretty much in all 50 states. They're not enforced because, again, they don't want a hearing. They don't want to lock up the Uvalde shooters and the Parkland shooters. No, the FBI is never going to do that. You and I both know any more authority you give to the FBI, DOJ, the legal system – we know exactly what that authority and, and, and funding is going to be used against, and that's going to be you and me. But that's what Republicans are focused on. Red flag against us, Ukraine, basically all of the worst things they're exacerbating. And meanwhile, the COVID genocide is may as well not exist. So, folks, that's about all for today. I wanted to make sure you knew about some of the latest information that I'm working on. Um, this and more stories. If you have more to follow up on any of these stories we talked about today, questions, comments, you can always email me, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Make sure you get your own Startmail account as well, by the way. Um, you need to have encryption these days because they're all going to spy on us. And they're going to use it for these red flag laws. But we have a lot more coming up this week. We have some special guests as well. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.